Hey guys, I'm so excited you decided to tune in today. I was super inspired, actually in the shower, to do this episode, and it is seven tips to get the most out of your doctor's visit. Now, most of you know that I am a physician, and so I'm thinking of this from the physician standpoint, but I'm also a patient. And so I also see it from the patient's perspective. So I came up with these seven tips in the shower to help you get the most out of your doctor's visit. This is gonna be super exciting. I know it sounds like a little bit of a lame topic, but I really think it's gonna help you get to the end goal, which is to get you to feel better. So buckle up, sit down, and tune in. Let's get into it. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. All right, guys. First things first, thank you so much for tuning in. It really is helping other women see this podcast, and I'm just so excited to have you as my friend. I listen to a ton of podcasts, and I start to feel as though I am really friends with the person whose voice I'm listening to. So if you're wondering if we're friends, yes, we are totally friends. Another bit of housekeeping, I want to tell you something super embarrassing is that in last week's episode, PMDD, I called it premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, and that is incorrect. It's premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And in the case that I still said it wrong, I'm totally embarrassed and super sorry. But we're all human, and it always makes me remind myself that this isn't a major thing or something that can't be fixed. So I wanted to address it just to let you know, yes, I am a physician, and I called it the wrong thing a couple of times on my last podcast. So again, we're all human. I wanted to remind you guys to subscribe to my podcast and thank you so much for all of your stars and comments and reviews. I am starting to do a new little intro segment where I'm going to read you my latest comments because it's really fun to hear your comment on a podcast and because they really help other women see this podcast. So I appreciate it so, so much. All right, this one is from Maureen who wrote, I was referred to Dr. Hirsch a couple years before she left Ohio State. I'm grateful for her podcasts. In my mid-50s, I was overwhelmed by how much I didn't know about menopause, let alone all the women's health issues that precede that. Her clear explanations in her podcasts are a must listen as there's never enough time in any office visit. This is perfect for today's episode. She goes on to say, I have recommended her podcasts to my 20-something daughter and she listens to those that are relevant to her. Thank you so much for this wonderful comment. And what I think is really unique about my podcast is this is a place for me to talk about all types of women's health issues. So if you've been to my website, heatherhirschmd.com, a lot of that is really focused on midlife and menopause. And if you've been following me for some time, you know that I have now created an online course called the Menopause Course. It is so amazing. It's a great source of basically everything in my brain put into an online course for you to learn. And I really think this is extraordinarily important because we all want to get our symptoms 
fixed, essentially. We all want to feel better. We all want to live our best lives. But one of the things that is so just crucial that I talk to my patients about in the office is that education piece, that chunk in the middle where you learn why you don't feel that way. You learn about myths of medications. You learn about bone health, sexual health, all the things, all of the pieces that you need to get the right fit for you to match the quality of life that you want and that you deserve, quite frankly. Also, I did something really cool. I chopped that course into a bunch of mini courses so that if you just really want questions on sexual health or you just want to learn about hormone replacement therapy or non-hormonal options, you can look at just the mini courses. So go to heatherhirschmd.com, go to courses, and you can browse all the courses that are available. So thank you guys so, so, so much for listening to this little intro. Now I want to jump into seven tips to get the most out of your doctor's visits. All right, so most of you know that I am board-certified internal medicine physician, and before I moved to Boston, I lived in central Ohio where I had a primary care practice. This was also a big part of my training in internal medicine, and I just love being a primary care physician. It is a difficult job. It is never-ending. There's so much to learn, and so I want to give you essentially a little bit of the behind the scenes so that really you make the most out of your doctor's visit. Okay, tip number one seems really obvious, but this is the most important. First, investigate what type of visit you are going to. So let me break this down for you. There's two major types of visits. There's your annual physical, and then there is an acute appointment for either an acute illness or acute can also mean like something new, something that you want to talk about. So this is a really important distinction because when you're walking into your physical, let me tell you what your doctor is thinking. Your doctor actually wants to use that time to review your health over the year. They wanna look at all of your medications, they wanna renew anything, they wanna look at your last year's labs, they wanna see what labs you need for this year, they wanna look at your immunizations, they wanna look at your blood pressure, your weight, they want to make sure that you have your living will, a medical power of attorney, and they also just wanna learn if there's any changes in your family history, in your social history, in your background. So let me just rewind. (laughs) When I go into someone's annual visit, I come in with a big agenda that I really need to complete. And so while I'm unique in that I always spend a lot of time with my patients, a physical is actually not the best time to talk to your doctor about some new symptom that you think it really needs a lot of attention. This is very confusing because as a patient, you think that you get the feeling that when you're going in for your annual, you're talking about the things that have come up that year that you want to discuss that are important to you. So it's really interesting that if what I really, the message I want you to get is that if you have something new, and and I may be pointing to whether it's you think you might have PMDD or maybe you have uh, concerns about your birth control, maybe you have concerns about perimenopause, weight gain, etc. I really urge you to schedule a, a you know acute visit, and acute just means a visit that is slated for what that 
topic is going to be. So it could be mood changes, it could be menopause, it could be hot flashes, etc. So by investigating what type of a visit you are walking into, that's going to definitely set you up in the right mindset for when is it the best time to get your doctor's real attention. Because again, when I'm walking into a physical as a physician, I have so many things I need to get done for you, kind of like your behind the scenes work that you really need. It can be super hard in that time to address a really vast or new uh, issue or symptom. So you want to make a separate appointment called an acute visit or whatever it's called in your medical system so that you have 20 minutes to just discuss this new symptom, this new concern. So make sure you know what type of visit you are walking into. That is tip number one. Tip number two, I want you to think about your concerns before you go to the doctor. And by that, I really, really want you to start journaling. I cannot tell you how crucial this is for your physician, because if you walk in with a lot of data, that doctor is really going to be much more prepared to help spend the time discussing probable diagnosis and treatment options, as opposed to spending all that time trying to intake what's been going on. If you're going by recall bias, which is just basically memory, it's also going to take you a little bit of time to sort of figure out, oh, my last period was this. I was feeling this, I think, before then. You know, so what you really want to do is you want to go to Barnes & Noble. You want to get a journal that you can hand write in. You want to write when your periods are how much you're sleeping, what your symptoms are, what you might be eating. Track whatever it is that's kind of really bothering you that you need 20 minutes of your doctor's attention. And the more data you have when you go in, the better. So if you can start journaling for a chunk of time before you go into that doctor's visit, that is really, really going to help the two of you spend much more time on diagnosis and potentially treatment than it is on really what's been going on and, and what this what this could be. A lot of times, if my patients come in with vague symptoms and their their recall bias is, you know, not not good, like most of ours isn't, I will usually have them journal and come back and see me in about eight to 12 weeks. So if you can do that beforehand, you are going to be ahead of the game, girl. Number three, prepare what you want to say. Kind of sounds like you're dating, but... I have been a patient too. And when I get to the doctors, for whatever reason, I just want to blab. Like, I just want to gossip. You kind of feel special. Like, you're in a gown, you're in this chair, it goes up and down, and you just kind of, I don't know, you sort of feel goofy and you just kind of start telling purposeless stories. I, I'm I'm totally with you. You get, like, giddy to go to the doctor. Like, the doctor's like your hero. You know, if you love your doctor, you can get really giddy. So, Take the time before you go in to really prepare what you want to say. Don't get sidetracked, especially if you just really like your doctor and you're interested in her life and et cetera, or his life. You know, really, if this is something you really need your doctor's strong attention, prepare before you go in what you want to say. So for some people, that means doing a little bit of research beforehand. Now, of course, this can be a little difficult because you can go down a rabbit hole. You can go down a dark and it's called Google or Premium WebMD. So you might not necessarily want to prepare a whole research thesis on what you think it could be. 
don't do that <laughs> because it's not going to help anyone. We all know it. But prepare what you want to say in terms of, you know, how long your symptoms have been going on, demonstrate that you've been journaling and or that you think you have some ideas on what this could be. Now, as a physician in medical school, actually, when we are learning how to take a patient's history, one of the questions that we kind of learn to ask someone is, do you have a guess as to what this could be? And the question is not, we want to know if you are right or wrong, but it really helps us sort of pinpoint where you are in your thought process, as well as where we are in our thought process. And also because if you think it's something that we kind of think is out of left field, We do just kind of want to know that a good physician wants to know that to kind of work with you together to sort of bring you to a shared diagnosis so that you really feel satisfied when you leave the doctor. So be prepared to know what you want to say. Maybe you also can prepare with a list of lab tests that you maybe think are necessary and also be prepared to discuss any other medications that you may have tried before and their side effects. So this one's really important, especially a good place I see this is both in mood disorders or in insulin resistance disorders like prediabetes and and diabetes. Many times when I'm trying to think about a medication to help solve the patient's problem and improve their quality of life, we'll spend a good chunk of time just trying to remember what they were on, maybe searching through their chart, maybe trying to figure out why it didn't work for them. But man, if you come in prepared, you knew which medications you tried, what symptoms they caused, that's going to save you so much more time and make that 20 minutes or 30 minutes really much more effective. So tip number three, prepare what you want to say before you walk into the doctor's office so that you don't spend five minutes talking about your recent cruise or your engagement or your daughter's graduation so that you really get down to the points of what you want to get. And all of those things are so fun. But if you have time at the end, that's the best time to kind of gush together. Tip number four is going to bounce off tip number three, which is be open-minded. So just because you have a premium WebMD account, I don't know if that's a real thing, by the way, just because you have a premium WebMD account does not mean that you might have the right answer. It might mean that you do, sure, but go in open-minded for sure. I think, again, as a as a physician and as a patient as well, this one is where there's a lot of shared decision-making and is also where communication is so, so vital. That's why that question, what do you think this could be, can help your doctor, you know, and you might say, I have have no idea. But if you think, you know, it's something and we don't, it's a good place, it's a good landing place for us to sort of talk about why you think that is, and then maybe to open your mind on other things that I think or that your doctor thinks it could be. So I want you to be open-minded. Another place is in terms of making the diagnosis with blood work and other things like that, or imaging or or other type of testing. I want you to be really open-minded. You may have, you know, Googled this before and, you know, have a long list of labs that you might think or imaging tests and your doctor might say that's not necessary. And when you feel otherwise, you're going to feel really frustrated, maybe dismissed and not heard. 
Now, hopefully a good physician can help explain the reasoning for why those tests may or may not be necessary because I want you to feel leaving satisfied. I want you to feel leaving heard. I want you to get the most out of your doctor's visit. So be open-minded. Don't be afraid to ask the question of, okay, I didn't think that maybe could be just uh, lower back pain or anxiety that's causing these heart palpitations or et cetera. I mean, can you explain to me a little bit more about why? So be open-minded because remember, your physicians have had so much training. We, medical school is long and residency is long. Common things do happen commonly, and we really want to meet you halfway. We also, physicians also feel so much more satisfied when their patients feel satisfied. So there's lots of common goals. So that's why I really, really want, I wanted to make this episode so that you really do get the most out of each visit you have with your doctor. Point number five, like most of my points, comes off of point number four. So advocate if you feel your needs aren't being met. Ask to see a specialist if you feel your needs are not being met. So, all right, point number four is be open-minded. So you should, you should do that. I really think you should do that before you jump to advocating for a a, a specialist. But you know, let me back up and, and let me explain. Ideally, you have a physician that you like, that you've worked with for some time, be it a few years or a few decades. Now, if you feel that you have tried your doctor's approach for a reasonable amount of time, which is typically somewhere in the range of four to six, maybe eight, and and kind of at the extreme end is 12 weeks. If you have been doing that plan, you personally have not seen the improvements, you haven't seen any type of change, you should go back in to see your doctor for the follow-up for that acute problem. Continue to journal during that time. And if you feel as though your doctor is just hesitant or just says, even just, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure, and they don't refer you to a specialist, that's when I want you to advocate for yourself. The field of general internal medicine is vast. There's almost no way that an internist can honestly know everything. Now, some of them do. They're the smartest doctors in the world and usually the most humble. But even the smartest doctor in the world knows their own limitations. And when they have reached their limitations, they should say to you something like, I think you need to see a specialist at this point for this problem. That's why, that's why medicine has divvied up into so many specialties and subspecialties. If you've done that, or if you're not in a large academic center, ask to be referred to a different hospital system. Sometimes that is what you need. And I have talked about this before in terms of menopause specialty physicians. Sometimes you might need to go to a totally different hospital that may be out of your network, or you might need to travel. But when you feel you need to advocate for yourself, and this is just anecdotal, but women just, they just know. And that's okay. Make sure you have done all the preliminary steps. So investigate, right? Step number one, prepare. Think about your concerns. Step number two, uh, sorry, step number two, in, in, think about your concerns in journal. Step number three, prepare. Step number four, be open-minded. Number five is advocate. So when you get to that point, that's potentially when you need to see a specialist in whatever area it is that you're seeking help. Maybe it's psychiatry, maybe it's neurology, maybe it's an orthopedist, 
could be physical therapy, could be cardiology, the specialties go on and on and on. And you're welcome to do research on that too. If you are looking for a menopause specialist, don't forget to use the North American Menopause Society website, which I highly, highly recommend because this is just the governing body of menopause um, health in the United States. And just go to menopause.org and then go under find a uh, physician and you can type in by zip code. All right, you've done all that. Tip number six is take notes and reflect. Okay, so tip number six means essentially more journaling. Yeah, you're never kind of going to get out of this. And journaling can be a little obsessive. I don't want you to do it to the point where it's driving you crazy or you're taking too much time out of your day. Really, if you spend somewhere between five to 10 minutes on this each day, you won't have to do all that recall bias. You won't have to go to the doctors confused or sort of filling in the gaps with just kind of you know, hand-waving, kind of making it up. So take time to reflect after your treatment that you guys have decided on because this the journey doesn't end here. Very often I recommend maybe it's a form of contraception, maybe it's a form of hormone replacement, maybe it's a mood or anxiety or a sleep medicine or on and on and on. And I, when I see you back, I want to know if it worked or if it didn't, if you had a, a true allergy or just adverse reaction. And the difference there is adverse reactions mean it's not going to land you in a hospital. It's not going to cause your heart to stop beating, but it's just something that you don't think you can handle on a daily basis look at the timing of the medication, symptoms that you're having, or conversely, if you feel great, note that down. Because again, there may be a point in time, a couple years or decades later, when you come back to that medication or you think about your experience, it's really, really helpful to document and reflect on how the entire experience was for you. Did you feel like you got your needs met? Do you feel like you were heard? Do you feel satisfied in the plan that you guys came up with together? So we have this thing, or there is this thing called shared decision-making. And and I really sort of abide by this. I hope you have a physician who does too. But really, when you are making a shared decision, each patient has autonomy. They can always go home and do whatever it is that that they want to do. I can't follow you. I'm not attached to your legs. I don't know what you're doing at home. And so it really is important that you are honest so that we can together make a shared decision on what's going to be best for your health. So tip number six is take notes and then just reflect on the entire process from start to finish. Start being when you identified a problem up into kind of that finish where ideally you are feeling better. Now, again, what I do in my practice, which is not what everyone does, there's no standardization, but when I see you for follow-up, once I've started a new medication, Typically, if you haven't done well on that and you did journal, when we switch or try, you know, plan B, then we're going to see, you know, if plan B leaves you feeling, then plan A. So it's a continual process until we get you living your best quality of life. And just an important note there, living your best, you know, quality of life doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to be perfect, perfect every single day. You're going to feel the best. It might mean that on most days you feel really good. So there is definitely some space to really realize and think about what your goals are and what is realistic in terms of your health and your just environmental surroundings. Tip number seven, be grateful and give your doctors grace. (laughs) 
of course I say this because I am a physician, but doctors are only humans. We are really held to really high standards, and I absolutely understand that. We have a huge amount of responsibility, and deep in our hearts, we went into medicine truly because we wanted to help people, especially internal medicine doctors. No, no, I, I, okay, I'm biased. So I do think internal medicine physicians, but it is a hard job. It is so much work, especially behind the scenes. Physicians have to deal with the computer. We, we are on that thing all day. We have so much coding and billing. We have a lot of continuous medical education. We have so many different responsibilities. We wear education hats and research hats and, and so many different hats that I do understand if you've had a bad experience with your physician, if you feel like they're not listening, if you feel like they are being distracted, give a little bit of grace and maybe kindly just let them be aware of that, that you're sort of noticing that. But do it with grace because anger probably won't help the situation for either of you. Now, there is definitely a role. If you think you are being mistreated, you should find a new doctor. So I say this one, and I'm treading lightly, but be grateful and give grace. I know as a physician, I do this for my patients. I get it. You can Patients can be angry if the doctor is running a little bit late or if the doctor is maybe repeating the same question over and over again. So I give my patients grace, and I hope you give your physicians grace. Truly, you find a physician who really wants to make a difference in your life and and take into consideration some of the steps in this podcast just because I really think being a patient and also being a physician that there is a little bit of strategy you can learn from this on how to get the most out of your visit. So I hope that was helpful. I truly, truly love being a physician and taking care of my patients, and I want to serve them the best, and I hope that I do. And I hope that if you don't see me in the office, that you can get the most out of the time that you have with your doctor by following some or all of the tips in this podcast. So thank you guys. Thank you, my friends, for listening in. It means a ton to me because I do this in my spare time so that I can really further my mission, which is bridging the gaps in women's health care. If you loved this episode, check out my other ones and share it with a friend. If you want to look into my course or if you want to find out my other podcasts, check out my website, heatherhirschmd.com. You can also find me on Instagram at hormonehealth.doc, on Twitter at heatherhirschmd, and a bunch of other places, but those are probably the big ones. Thank you guys so much. As always, your support means a ton to me, and I really can't thank you from the bottom of my heart for sticking it out with me for this 26-minute podcast. Have a wonderful rest of your day and evening, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye.